if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, eight minutes past 10 o'clock on this Wednesday, the 10th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord 2021. Appreciate you being with us. Thanks to Shannon Burns who joined me last half hour of the um, uh, Strongsville Republican part or Strongsville Republican uh, group. Uh, they are doing a fantastic job of putting pressure on Anthony Gonzalez. Uh, they want more support in putting that pressure on Anthony Gonzalez to resign. The Strongsville Republican Club uh, put out a, uh, a vote of no confidence. They held a vote of no confidence, uh, a resolution to rescind their endorsement of him in his last campaign, and a call for his resignation right now. And if you want to join that call for one of the turncoats, who voted to impeach President Trump without any due process whatsoever from the House of Representatives to the Senate for a trial. Uh, you can find that petition at strongsvillegop.org, strongsvillegop.org. That's where I want to start this hour. Again, uh, it, I am inclined to not spend a ton of time on the impeachment trial, and I will stick by that, but I am going to give you a little bit of news as I have it or when I have it because there's some things that we do have to respond to. I'm just not going to be doing this 24-7, because we've got 16 hours, by the way. The, the, the Democrats, in other words, the House managers, have 16 hours to present their case on why they should impeach Donald Trump and remove him from office, <laughs> an office he doesn't hold any longer. Then the Trump defense team will have 16 hours to uh, put on the defense before uh, the vote. Uh, it should take five minutes, not 16 hours, because it's very clear Number one, it's proven by the FBI that they have been investigating the threats of violence against the Capitol building for weeks in advance of the um, uh, of the January 6th uh, uh, vote to certify the election and also of the president's rally there in Washington, D.C. So how could the president incite this violence if it was planned far in advance of the speech? And then second of all, play the speech. <laughs> Play the speech. Do what I did to Anthony Gonzalez. Demand that the impeachment manager show you where the president incited violence in the speech. And the answer, of course, is he did not. 
But this is what happened yesterday, just to give you a little bit of a lowdown. The Senate said yes, voting 56 to 44, that it is constitutional. Six GOP senators joining Democrats, Collins, Cassidy, Murkowski, Romney, Sass, and Toomey. Now, the only one that was a surprise was Senator Cassidy, and he had this to say afterwards. House managers made a compelling, cogent case, and the president's team did not. And House managers began yesterday with a graphic 13-minute recap of the attack on the Capitol. Six U.S. Senator turncoats, six Republicans who voted to uh, carry forth with the impeachment trial, declaring that it is constitutional. And, of course, it is not. And one reason and one reason only proves this. It's not being presided over by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. John Roberts will not put his name alongside this. He will not preside over this because he knows it's unconstitutional. As such, having one of the jurors, one of the voters, one of the 100 senators serving as the presiding judge is just about as unconstitutional as it gets. It's it's impossible to see it any other way, and yet six Republican turncoats joined the Democrats to make way for the uh, the case to be heard. So that's part of it that I need to share with you as far as what happened yesterday. I want to get a couple of other comments for you as well. This is Republican Senator Kevin Kramer of North Dakota. In terms of the, the hill that the managers have to climb is still very steep and it's very high. Not just because you know forty at least 44 of us think that this is an unconstitutional um, exercise altogether, but because I think that the line yeah. between you know criminal liability and you know firing up a crowd is you know it's a pretty tough I think cause and effect to make for an insurrection. Yeah, the line isn't razor thin. The line in this case is as wide as a city block. You understand what I'm saying? For a person, particularly an elected official, to be guilty of trying to incite violence or incite a riot, and I read you the law on this, he has to specifically state, go and attack. Now, not in those particular words, but he has to use words that make it unambiguous and clear to the group, to the throng of supporters or followers or attendees or whatever, to specifically go and order them to do something, to commit physical violence, physical vandalism, physical harm of some sort. It's very clear. It's not close. It's not a thin line. It's a massive line. And that's what makes this entire affair so ridiculous. Because the text and the audio of the speech are available for everyone in the world to hear. And in no time, at no time, does he give orders to do that. None whatsoever. This is Texas Representative Michael Burgess. We should not be here. It's it's unprecedented. The president has left office. Uh, the Supreme Court Justice, Justice Roberts, said, no, I'm not coming. So the judge for the case is actually one of the jurors. So all of it just does seem like it's just not right. It's not right. But it's not just not right because of the constitutional standing here. It's also not right on the merits of the case. The fact of the matter remains, you cannot charge someone with incitement when clearly the preparations were going on many days beforehand. And we have the FBI acknowledging that. The FBI has charged at least three members of the uh, right-wing group called the Oath Keepers with conspiracy to attack the Capitol days before the speech. So how could President Trump have incited them to act when he had not even spoken yet? So the Democrats yesterday had to do what? They had to find a way to pin this on Donald Trump anyway. 
So what did they do? They selectively edited their the president's comments from the speech on January 6th. They used the visual imagery, 13 minutes long, of violence and, and, and vandalism on the Capitol building. And they used that as the backdrop for playing President Trump saying, you've got to fight for your country. It won't have a, fight, uh, a country to fight for anymore. That's literally all that they did. A caller to our message line, the Bob France Authority message line, said, here's the answer to that. Um, the Democrats are going to play the um, videos of the violence in Washington, D.C., and they're going to harp on the fact that Trump said we're going to fight. Well, the Republicans should play tapes of all the Democrats saying how they should fight like hell and they're not going to give up and they should keep fighting and they should go and harass people in restaurants and stuff like that. Uh, that that caller, that messenger, messenger uh, is spot on, and that is exactly what the Trump legal team is going to do. They're going to play their own videos, and it's probably the same video that I've played for you in an audio for- fashion here on the radio. And that is of Chuck Schumer and of uh, uh, Tom Perez. I mean, just countless numbers of uh, Kamala Harris, countless numbers of liberal Democrats saying we're going to fight like hell, fight like hell, fight like hell, fight like hell. It is a very common phrase for we are going to try our hardest. We're going to try our hardest is what fight like hell means. It doesn't mean throw chairs through windows. But that's the way they tried to make it look yesterday. Trump uh, uh, advisor, senior advisor, Jason Miller. But the underlying facts, really what this is about, didn't change yesterday. And so with the opening of an impeachment trial, of course, you're going to have the media uh, swarm that's on top of this. You're going to see videos and such, as we saw from the Democrats, Democrats uh, tugging at the, the heartstrings of people. But here's where they overreached. In their video that they announced, they showed these images of a very docile, mellow crowd with President Trump as he's delivering his remarks. And they were very, very selective in how they edited it. They would then juxtapose that to some of the violence that we saw on Capitol Hill. And I think there was a big disconnect. How is this very mellow, very docile crowd with the president then translating to this chaos on the Hill? But not only were the Democrats showing that they're willing to selectively edit video, they're showing they're willing to selectively edit uh, the words of legal professors like Jonathan Turley, and they're willing to selectively edit the Constitution itself. That is exactly what they did with their little video stunt yesterday. And again, I did not watch it because I will not give it that attention, but I have to read about it and have to take a look at what's going on, and I have. And it's exactly what Jason Miller just described. They, they Here's what they did. They showed a video of the docile, mellow crowd listening to the president speak. Then they jumped to the video of the attack on the Capitol. And they want you to believe that what made them from what what made them go from docile and mellow to violent and rampaging was President Trump's words. The problem is they don't have the words. They selectively edit the words. They could probably play it on a loop and probably will if they haven't already. Again, I didn't watch it live, but they could probably play it on a loop. President Trump saying, fight like hell, fight like hell, fight like hell, fight like hell, and try to influence people into thinking, well, that made people go and fight like hell physically. They could play it like that on a loop, but of course, if they do that, then it's just going to open the door for the Republicans to do what the caller said. And what I've said, and they think the attorneys plan to do, they're going to play the Democrats screaming the same exact thing from their own bully pulpits when they talk about the need to, quote, fight like hell. 
We've heard it time and time again. I won't give you the whole thing again, but... In the Senate, Democrats are going to fight like hell to make this a reality. Americans who took to the streets this week have demanded change. With this legislation, Democrats are heeding their calls. I want the people of Pennsylvania, the people all across this country to know that we are going to fight like hell to protect your vote, to secure your vote, and to make sure that your vote is counted. How confident are you that Kentuckians are going to have the ability to vote freely uh, in November? Well, I'll tell you, I'm confident that we're going to fight like hell to make sure they can. We are going to fight like hell to make sure that everyone who... Right, so you've, you've heard it over and over again. Fight like hell means try our hardest. And with the president saying fight like hell, by the way, that's a common phrase of his. If you haven't heard me play this before, this is President Donald Trump, April 2018, right before the midterms, right before the midterm elections. This is President Trump advising Republicans and supporters that we have to win in the midterms. And in order to win in the midterms, what do we have to do? We got to go out and we got to fight like hell and we got to win the House and we got to win the Senate. And I think we're going to do great in the Senate and I think we're going to do great in the House because the economy is so good. If those words were not an incitement to violence or rioting or insurrection, then why were the same words an incitement to violence on January 6th? April 2018. We got to go out and we got to fight like hell and we got to win the house. January 6th, 2020. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. How, we fight. How, is it, how is it an incitement to insurrection one day, but not on another day? How are the Democrats' admonitions to uh, their their supporters, or not admonitions, but their promises to their supporters that they're going to fight like hell, not the same incitement of violence? And by the way, I'm not going to dignify the impeachment show trial by using the word insurrection either. That is in the article of, of impeachment, that the president incited an insurrection. An insurrection... For those who don't know the definition, is a literal attempt to overthrow the government. You understand that? To literally overthrow the government. We are going to take the individuals in charge, kidnap them, remove them from power, and take power ourselves. This riot on January 6th, this attack on the Capitol building, was done with no guns. You understand that? There was not one armed protester there. Now, yes, they will say, well, they planted some pipe bombs. Somebody did. We don't know who, but we also know they were planted before January 6th when Donald Trump spoke. So how could he have incited it? This was no insurrection. This was a bunch of people that if you listen to the liberal Democrats describe what rioting is, this is them expressing their unheard voices. If you listen to what Chuck Schumer said, we've been watching people riot, and we are heeding their call for change. This was Trump supporters and the agents provocateur, the liberal Antifa members who were Im- uh, embedded with the uh, with the the crowd. This was them making their voices heard and hoping, hoping that leadership will heed their call. So that's about as much as I want to say about it today, other than answer your questions. 216 Dial me up now. We'll get you on next. AM 1420, The Answer.
right, I'm feeling better right now. It's 1026. Let's get some calls. Derek is in Richfield, and now on AM 1420, the answer. Hi, Derek, go right ahead. Hey, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, so I just have two questions for you. So first, um, if you would be able to go over, you know, clarify the details that you know about, the, I believe it was five people that were killed on January 6th, including the Capitol Hill police officers. I remember hearing one of them actually killed himself afterwards. And my second question is, um, do you do you think January 6th was basically a Reichstag type event where, you know, the left, they're going to just use that as their go-to excuse uh, to justify um, basically criminalizing, possibly arresting conservatives? Okay, I'm going to do the best I can on that, Derek. Thank you for the phone call. As far as the five people who died, you're right. It isn't like five people died in the riot. Um, there was a police officer who was killed in the riot. Um, and by the way, Brian Sicknick, who is that officer, there's been a lot of misinformation uh, out there that he was struck and attacked with a fire extinguisher. In other words, beaten or clubbed with a fire extinguisher, and that's what killed him. Those rumors are being debunked. Um, they have not necessarily declared what, you know, it was that, that specifically caused its death yet, which I find troubling considering it's been over a month now. But it, <coughs> excuse me, but it has been declared that it is not a fire extinguisher. He was trampled, overpowered by rioters, a crowd of them trying to come through. Don't know if something specifically hit his head or if he fell and was stepped on. Just don't know. They just said that law enforcement officials just said basically that he had been physically engaging with the protesters uh, and was trampled. Um, so how that happened, I don't know. Uh, he didn't die at the scene, by the way. He returned to his division office with these injuries from the scuffle and collapsed at his office, according to the Capitol Police at the time, then taken to a local hospital where he died. There is nothing you can say about that except this is horrible. It is tragic. It is unacceptable. And every other thing that you can possibly think of, that's terrible. Ashley Babbitt was the second. She died by a gunshot wound to the neck. She is a white woman who was unarmed, who was not attacking any police officers, who was not resisting arrest. She was trying to come through a window with a whole bunch of other people. A police officer inside and looking through that window shot her in the neck as she did. It's the kind of thing that had she been a black woman, and particularly a member of BLM or a Democrat supporter, would have led to, <laughs> I can't even describe, the national outrage. But because she is a white woman and because she was a Trump supporter, uh, her death is just considered, well, it's collateral damage. This is what happens when you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. You tried to climb through a, door, through a window, you got shot for it. Uh, it, it's in, it's unbelievable. And by the way, I throw that out there, too, just to remind everybody of the ridiculous notion that somehow that the Trump supporters who attacked the Capitol were treated with kid gloves, whereas the Black Lives Matter supporters, who would, if they would have rioted, they would have all been slaughtered. Not one Black Lives Matter rioter from the entire summer and fall of rioting after the George Floyd, George Floyd incident in uh, streets all over, cities all over the country, not one of them was ever shot by a police officer. Not one. This white woman was shot right there on the Capitol grounds, doing nothing but climbing through a window. Should she have been? No. Is that a death penalty offense? No. Kevin Greeson is a third member, a third person rather, who died on that day. He died of a heart attack. 
55 years old. He was uh, standing in a crowd of, uh, of, of Trump loyalists on the west side of the Capitol. He was not believed to be in the Capitol building at all at any time. He did not breach the grounds, in other words, commit a crime. But he was talking on the phone with his wife at the time, and he suffered a heart attack in the middle of all of that. Roseanne Boyland is another, uh, the fourth person who died. Uh, she was a supporter of President Trump, and she appears to have been killed in a crush of fellow rioters, basically just trampled. And then Benjamin Phillips uh, is another who died of a stroke in Washington. Uh, he drove a van of fellow Trump supporters from Pennsylvania to Washington. He died of a stroke while he was there. The exact circumstances were unclear. There was another police officer who died but he was it was a Capitol Hill police officer who uh, took his own life. Uh, what the circumstances were surrounding all of his uh, issues at the time unknown right now, at least to me, but he took his own life. It was a suicide, not somebody who was actually killed in the uh, in the event. That's the best I can do for you. And I know I went past the news giving the answer to that question of who are the five people who died. There you have it. We'll be right back. Okay, so 37 will continue on the important point of the answer. Um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of terrible things. Just going back to the last caller, there are a lot of terrible things that happened in uh in that capital on on January 6th. There were a lot of things that were embellished that did not happen. Uh, For an example, just look to Alexandria Damasio-Cortez, who is just a bald-faced liar who was never in harm and who uh, continues to play the story that she almost got murdered. Uh, So this is what the Democrats do. This is what they're going to do. They're going to embellish. They're going to lie. They're going to do it for the media, and they're going to do it in this Senate Kabuki theater trial. That's just the fact. Um. They don't care if they violate the Constitution, which they are simply by holding this without the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court presiding over it. They don't care if they violate the Constitution, which they did by not giving Donald Trump due process in the House to even decide if this thing, as a grand jury comparison would be, should go to trial, if an indictment should be made. They don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about the letter of law. They don't care about the facts, which is why they are indeed manipulating video. They are selectively editing Donald Trump's words, not giving you the full context of what he said, and trying to make it sound like these were peaceful people gathering there listening to him until he riled them up and made them go and attack the Capitol. And I I, I just I feel like the Trump attorneys ought to just say we have sixteen hours to present our case. We don't need sixteen hours. We need sixty six seconds. Because these 66 seconds are the instructions that President Trump gave to his throng of supporters. Now it is up to Congress to confront this egregious assault on our democracy. And after this, we're going to walk down, and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down. Anyone you want, but I think right here, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them. (laughs) Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. 
We have come to demand that Congress do the right thing and only count the electors who have been lawfully slated. Lawfully slated. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. That should be the open, the subs, uh, the uh, uh, content, and the close of the defense case. That's it. Those are the only instructions, if you want to call them that, that Donald Trump gave his crowd. We're going to walk to the Capitol, and we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen. Well, we probably won't cheer for all of them, which, of course, is right, because some of them are not supporting the idea of contesting the uh, certification. Cheer. Now, I spent some time looking in a thesaurus, and I looked up synonyms for the word cheer. And try as I might, I could not find the words fight, attack, vandalize, destroy, smash, loot, or assault. None of those were substitutes or synonyms for the word cheer in the modern American thesaurus. The word cheer was actually described as making loud noises in support of a cause. That's what cheering is. We do it at football games. We do it at political rallies. And yes, we can do it outside the Capitol, cheering on our senators who are going to fight against this certification of what we believe was a stolen election. Then the other part of that 66-second clip, a reminder. He said, yes, we need to be strong, and we do. We need to show strength. And that's why we are going to peacefully and patriotically make our voices heard. I took to the dictionary and to the thesaurus again to look up definitions and synonyms for peacefully and patriotically. In neither book, all right, I'm lying, I didn't look in a book, I looked at thesaurus.com and dictionary.com, so I looked online, but in neither site could I find a definition of peacefully or patriotically or a synonym for those two words that it remotely resembled uh, dangerously, um, radically, um, violently, riotously. I don't know if riotously is a word. I made that one up. I can't find anything that even remotely could be mistaken for go and commit violent acts on that capital. And the only way that a president or anybody else can be convicted of inciting violence or a riot or their word an insurrection is if the language is clear and direct. Go get them. Go and attack them. Go and harm them. Let's go stop this now. That's what the law requires. And he said nothing of the sort. So to me... The Democrats are going to spend 16 hours trying to prove that he incited a violent act that he did not. Then the Republicans or the president's defense team get 16 hours to defend. I propose they take 66 seconds and then rest their case. I just gave you the 66 seconds. Save that. Share that. Download it from our webpage, whkradio.com, after the show when it's posted. Share that with everybody you know. 
Those 66 seconds were, unlike the Democrats, who edited President Trump's remarks, unedited, in full, available online in dozens of places. Those are unedited, the President's remarks, in which he told everybody we are going to cheer with our voices and we are going to peacefully and patriotically make our voices heard. Case dismissed. Diane in Bay Village, you're on AM 1420. The answer, good morning, go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Um, One of the things, too, that I wanted to say about the impeachment, the Democrats are scared of Trump. That's why the Democrats on the left, that's why they don't want him in. He's revealed what kind of swamp creatures they are. They And secondly, they really don't care to work anymore, not that they did that much anyway. So what they're doing is dressing up, and they're a high-end welfare recipient. And I do believe that the left and the Democrats knew about January 6th coming up, what that was all about regarding the fraudulent election, and together with George Soros, call a conspiracy whatever you want, with George Soros, they got Antifa, Black Lives Matter, to go to the Capitol to upset the apple cart so that it would not be presented how the election was rigged. Um, And as far as Anthony Gonzalez resigning, he will never resign because he was probably promised a place on the gravy train if he would have gone against Trump. And regarding the officer at the Capitol, I heard that it was a residual effect of pepper spray or whatever that worked its way into his system, whether that's right or wrong. I don't know. I don't know um, that either. Yeah, I I doubt that pepper spray can, quote-unquote, work its way into your system and be lethal. Otherwise, they wouldn't use it as widely as they do when they're just trying to disperse crowds. Um, Right. uh, I mean, it's obviously an irritant, and it it incapacitates you. You pretty much can't see, and you've got to stop doing what you're doing. But uh, I I doubt very seriously that pepper spray is lethal. I'm I'm amazed that it's been a week or a month plus now, and we have not heard a specific definitive cause of death for Brian Sidnick. I I, I have no idea. I I wish I knew what it was. Whatever it is, it's terrible and it's and it's indefensible. But I just wish we knew what it was. We they said originally it was a fire extinguisher. I heard two days ago uh, reports from uh, uh, Washington saying it was absolutely not a fire extinguisher. Not that, a fire. That, that right. Theory, I heard the that theory thing. has been debunked yeah. or that that claim or whatever. I just don't know what is what is still in play here. So hopefully we'll right, find out. Right. Right. Um, all right, Diane. But anyway, I, I believe that uh, Soros is involved in all this stuff too, and they just didn't want the sixth to happen. So that's. Yeah, I, well, I, 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 I totally agree with that. Um, I, I, I don't know about the source part. I, like, I don't have evidence about that, but I think that it's pretty clear that the last gasp effort for Trump to stop Joe Biden from taking office would be for what he wanted Mike Pence to do, which was to automatically declare this is null and void, this is invalid, we're going to throw this back to the states, which Pence would not do. Probably, right. constitutionally speaking, the right decision for Pence. But I know it alienated and ticked off the president and a lot of his supporters. But between Pence and then what Hawley and Cruz were trying to do, which is make an argument that we should not certify today until a 10-day uh, period of time is set aside for a bipartisan panel of members of the Congress and members of the Senate can go get together and investigate the irregularities. That's exactly. all this was. And they could right. not and allow the, those arguments to be made, and that's probably why the plot was put in place to create the chaos and the attack. Exactly. The left knew that they'd be found out, again, as usual, as they're found out with all the other evil, mean-spirited things that they do. So that's why they had to put a kibosh on it. 
I think you're right. Thank you, Diane. I appreciate your phone call. With that, I want to play another message from the France uh, uh, listener line, or listener message line, rather. Uh, Somebody who brought up the unspeakable allegation that Nancy Pelosi and other liberal Democrat members of Congress have made that they felt unsafe with the National Guardsmen there assigned to protect them because they don't know how those National Guardsmen voted. And if those National Guardsmen were Trump voters, they should be reassigned away from their job here because they may be out to hurt and harm Democrat members of Congress. It's one of the most insulting things you can say about a member of the United States military, that they will put their personal political feelings ahead of their oath. Their oath to protect the country and to protect its citizens and, yes, its elected representatives They wanted background checks on members of the National Guard. And this message from a listener said, there's somebody who should be background checked, all right. Good morning, Bob. It would seem to me that if they they background checked the 18,000 or however many um, National Guard that were up around the Capitol, that they ought to background check in, uh, to the nth degree the members of Congress that come in, uh, all of the other, some that have a very subversive background, and weed them out before they get into where they are right now. That, if, if they're going to do that to the United States citizens as far as the National Guard, like I say, then the same should apply to the members of Congress and to the Senate. Um, the squad, squid, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> they should not be where they are. Thanks for listening. Oh, thank you for that outstanding message. And, yes, they call themselves the squad. I call them squids because look at them. Uh, and that's it. Great point. And, yes, I would concur. If you want to do a background check on anybody, let's look at some of those who have been uh, organized with subversive groups, and let's make sure we background them before we seat them in the in the People's House of Representatives. Okay, it's 1050. Quick time out. Uh, 216-901-0945. You want to get in before we're done, do it now on AM 1420, The Answer. Mr. Franz, thank you for taking my message. I'm an African-American gentleman who is from a predominantly Democratic family, and for all the years I was told that Democrats are wonderful, Republicans and conservatives are not your friend, and they're racist. And uh, For a long time I bought into that narrative until I looked behind the curtain and had the four years of Donald Trump, who basically was not the monster they said he was, I actually made more money with Donald Trump than I uh, on my job than I did when Barack Obama was in the White House. I uh, I liked Barack, but to me, a do something, get something done president was Donald Trump. Now, if I so much as hint this around my family, I'm hung up on giving a scarlet letter, uh, basically disowned. So I try to keep my thoughts to myself, and I'm thankful that I have this outlet to just uh, vent and let you know I'm listening to you. Now, these four years under Joe Biden, I uh, hope he does well for the country's sake, but I just have a feeling that 
the structure we were going under, having under Donald Trump, uh, we're going to lose. And it's going to be kind of like a spin, spin, spin. And at the end of four years, the bill is going to come due. And we don't know where the money's going to come from. So once again, thank you for listening. And uh, I'll keep my thoughts uh, that I just told you to myself because my family already looks at me with a jaundiced eye. So once again, have a good day. Thank you. I got to tell you, um, I'm so happy that we have this message line now <clears throat> so that people like that gentleman can can have an outlet. You heard what he said. You know, he said, I can't say this out loud to other people because particularly in my family and probably to other people of his race, he said, I'm a black man who supports Donald Trump and conservatives. I did better. My life was better under Donald Trump. My family says he's a racist and that I'm stupid for supporting this racist. But yet all of us did better as black people in America under Donald Trump than any of us did uh, under Barack Obama and Joe Biden. Barack Obama, the first black president, was supposed to be the game changer for the black community in this country. Well, the game didn't change under Barack Obama. It did under Donald Trump. Unemployment for black Americans, an all-time low. Wage increases, massive wage increases under Donald Trump for black workers. Grover uh, Norquist told us on yesterday's program uh, about the massive wage hike for particularly minority workers that was experienced under Donald Trump because of his policies. And this caller or this, you know, the person who left the message said, I can't say this out loud to people because I'm going to cause problems in my family. I get branded with a scarlet letter, probably labeled as you know Larry Elder's movie uh, talks about, uh, and Uncle Tom, and it just creates problems. So he's got nobody to say to, but he said, I want you to know that I'm out here listening. And I can't tell you to that gentleman, sir, how much that means to me to know that you're listening. Sometimes I wonder. Sometimes I wonder... <clears throat> As we take phone calls on a daily basis, and a lot of days we don't take a lot of calls because we have a lot of interviews, but as we take phone calls, I wonder, you know, how many people are listening that don't call? There's an old ad. I've been, I've been in talk radio now for 20, this is my 24th year. Um, and one thing that I've learned through those years is that less than 1% of radio show listeners, and this is an average, Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's it's less than one, even less than that, but less than 1% of listeners are inspired or courageous enough to pick up the phone and call the host. <clears throat> it's less than 1%. And so as a host, I recognize that, and I know that through the years that I've been doing this, but it does make you wonder how many people out there really have something to say, but they just can't say it. And they don't want to necessarily say it and be embarrassed. They're going to be nervous if they come on live radio. So I created this message line. Larry Elder has a similar one. I created this message line for people like that who do have something to say. They can't get on during the air. They don't want, don't, don't want to identify themselves by name. They just have something they want to say and to let us know that they're out there. And I love that. And I appreciate that and I respect that. So thank you to that gentleman for his, um, uh, for his very heartfelt message. And by the way... You're correct. Your family is not. The conservative movement in this country does not see race. The conservative movement in this country is not concerned with equity. The conservative movement in this country sees all Americans equally and believes that everyone should have the equality of opportunity available to them. And because they live in this great country, no matter what color they are, 
they do. That's the reality. So take heart in knowing that you're right and your family, as cruel as they may be to you, are wrong. That's it. That's all the time we've got tomorrow on the program. It's a special program. We will talk to Dr. Piper, as always, but it's also a donor campaign day as we fight to save babies' lives with our friends at Preborn. So make sure you tune in for that. Uh, Stay here now for Mike Gallagher on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.